All right, vehicles of longing or habits of grace, we've, we've talked about them in the past and Josh has been uh, speaking about them already. It's surprising to see Josh and Anna here. They've been moving and renoing, renoing a whole house in a week and then moving yesterday. Uh, but they look sprightly and well and would have never guessed. <laughs> Who knows what's going on on the inside? Um, but be gentle with them today. Don't, uh, yeah, just say kind words to them, please. Because um, I'm sure Anna will have a prophecy for you that you don't want to hear. <laughs> um, so the sons of Korah wrote a psalm in Psalm 84. They wrote in, in verse 2, they said, My soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and flesh sing for joy to the living God. Our hearts long for God. That's the, the song that they put together. That's what Israel would sing together. Our hearts long for the courts of the Lord. They long to be with God. They long to look upon God. They long to be in His presence. That's what our hearts longing is for. All our dissatisfactions, all of our discontentment, all of it goes, there's only one thing that can satisfy and bring us ultimate contentment is being in the presence of God. And God longs for us as well. Um, the problem is that this life makes no room for that longing. This life is almost by design a distraction from the main thing we long for. So you can pursue many things in this life. It's designed that way. You can pursue many comforts, securities, pleasures. Uh, there's innumerable distractions um, and, and not bad ones. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, I don't know who uh, I wasn't meaning to kind of, but thank you. Thank you for partnering with me in this talk. Um, and good things, to go further, good things, not bad things, not evil things, wonderful things like babies, blessings. God says that uh, children are blessing from the Lord. Good things that distract us from the main thing we're trying to focus on, uh, and that's the Lord. And so in this life, um, God has to step in. Jesus has to step into the busyness of life to, to bring us a connection to God because we can't find one ourselves. But then we also have to step out of the busyness of life and into the grace of God that we find in Jesus to connect with Him. It's very hard for us to connect with God and do everything we want. It's very hard. It's probably impossible. It's very hard. It's probably impossible to connect with God and do everything everyone else wants us to do. There's a word that all of us find hard to say. My, my father-in-law had to have his doctor teach him how to pronounce it and look in a mirror. And the word goes, no. We all know it and we all say it and children are great at it. But as you get older, you get worse at saying it. Can you do this for me? Yes. Can we go, yes. Would you like to? Yes. Instead of, no, no, let's keep some margin in our lives. Let's make sure we're connecting with God. Let's make sure our first relationship is, is there's contact, there's connection, so that all of our other relationships uh, can enjoy the fruit of that, right? So this is what a vehicle of longing is. A vehicle of longing are means, are, are vehicles to get us to where we most want to be, Right? A vehicle of longing is a means that gets us to where we most want to be. So, uh, habits of grace. So, for those of you who are new to the language that we're using here, you're visiting us today or something, this isn't like uh, going to be super amazing or surprising to you. So, here's one I'll tell you just to kind of earth it. Prayer. Bible study. These are vehicles of grace. They're not the main thing. They're not the point. Who is going to be running the Bible study in heaven? Not Paul. He wrote most of it. No one. We won't be studying the Bible because we won't need that vehicle anymore. Who's going to be holding the prayer meetings in heaven? Well, Jesus is at the moment praying for us. But when we're all together, when we're with Jesus, who, you're going to go, sorry, Jesus, uh, I'll, I'll be with you now. I've just got a prayer meeting planned. We're going to go to another room, ask you for a whole bunch of stuff, and then we'll come back and just talk to you. <laughs> Do you, you see what I'm trying to say? They're just vehicles they're for this life. They means mostly over here. Not all of them, though. Friendships is one, underrated, but incredibly powerful. Friendships won't end. Prayer, in the way that we practice it, will. Bible study, will. Preaching, will. Prophecy, will. Signs and wonders, will. They'll all end. Friendships won't. They'll continue. So why not invest in them? Why not build them? 
Why not give attention to them as much as we prioritize Bible study and prayer and worship, which are, I'm, you don't bring them down, keep them up. Just take friendship up as well. So um, I want to ask you a couple of questions. Let me just warn you, uh, one page of notes for me is 10 minutes. I have 10 pages of notes this morning. Uh, no, you'd be so lucky. I do have 10 pages, but I'm not going to uh, preach all of them. A lot of this is workshop. So uh, here's your opportunity if you want to move. But if you want to break into groups, you're going to take four or five minutes. If you can throw up some of the questions there, Joel, that'd be great. Uh, which uh, vehicle of longing or means of grace or spiritual practice do you routinely use? Here's just a list in case you don't know what they are. Prayer, Bible, corporate, and then, you know, there's another 30 you could find, including friendships. Why do you use these spiritual practices? What do you get out of these routines and rhythms? Uh, have you ever enjoyed them more or less in seasons of your life, and why? Are there any habits you feel you couldn't live without? Are there any habits you would love to have but just don't? Um, you're going to take five minutes and answer. You won't be able to answer all of these, but hopefully you'll be able to answer some of these uh, and break up into groups and just chat about this. This is. Let me just give you a warning. The better you do this, the more vulnerable you are here. The the you're already you're already starting to lean into spiritual friendship. So if this is a time where you're kind of like, yeah, man, I I, I love Bible study. Like I like to read the Bible at least once or twice a year. Um, I like to memorize all of Matthew every now and then. Uh, You're not going to really be leaning into spiritual friendship, unless that's really what you do. I mean, if that's what you really do, great. Uh, That's that's fantastic. Try another spiritual habit because it's probably not not working. Um, No, I'm just kidding. I'm I'm really just kidding. Um, But if you go like, hell, I like this, but I struggle with this. Um, I, I love to do this. I've seen the fruit of this in my life. I really think this is important, but I can't find my... I, I just don't have the self-discipline for it. I've really struggled with it. You're starting to lean into spiritual friendship. Um, so take, let's take five minutes. Break up into whatever groups you like. Move around the room if you want. Stay where you are if you like. And then we'll, uh, I'll take us on from there. Can you tell me when like four minutes are over? Um, let me get you back. I, I realize you probably haven't finished all of the questions. <laughs> Maybe just got started. So we got lots of questions today. Let me keep moving. How not to use vehicles of longings? Of longing. Vehicles of longing are so fundamental to our Christian faith that we easily manipulate them. Uh, either to, to serve our pride or to serve shame. Now, shame is a form of pride, but just to kind of separate them from, from arrogance, that's normally how we think of pride, uh, to insecurity or shame, and, and that is another form of pride. But uh, we usually use... So, for example, the way we might go about it is someone goes, yeah, I've read the Bible and prayed every day for the last 15 years. So they consider themselves a mature Christian because of the habits that they keep. Well, that's a pride. It's pride in the vehicle. It's, it's not talking about the relationship they have in Christ. It's not talking about what they know of God or what God has done in their hearts. It's, this is what I've done for this period of time consistently. Therefore, I consider myself a mature Christian. Uh, or this person goes, I keep trying to do X, Y, Z, but I keep failing. Um, I, I don't feel like I'm advancing in my faith. I don't feel like I'm growing as a Christian. I don't, and they're basing it all on what they're doing rather than what Christ has done for them. Uh, and so we use these vehicles of grace usually, um, or sorry, I'm not saying that everyone in this room does, but often they get manipulated towards arrogance or insecurity. But that's not their purpose. That's how not to use them. They're not there as the end goal. If they were the end goal, then that would be a good use of them. But they're not. They're not tests. It's not like school, uh, where it's how many times have you done this, and then you get a grade back based on it, and so you pass or you fail. These are these privileges, these blessings that God has given to us, um, it's a little bit like food. God's given us taste buds to taste all these different kinds of foods and, and all these different nations create all these different beautiful flavors. And some people just want to stay in this narrow lane of boring food. Um, and some people want to spread themselves and taste and see and enjoy uh, the breadth of flavors. 
vehicles of grace are a little bit more like that. Vehicles of longing are a little bit more like that. That God has given us all these privileges, these ways to engage with Him and connect with Him and get to know Him and love Him. And some people want to stay in a narrow lane and some people want to go broadly and learn all they can from every, everywhere they can. Uh, those people who are like that, they really are, are the wowsers of the world. Those who walk outside and they hear a bird sing and they go, Oh, wow. Did you hear that? Isn't God good? And then there's people more like myself going, you're so irritating. Can we just please walk? <laughs> Look at the sunset. Why did God put colors in the skies? I don't feel like talking about your philosophy. <laughs> but, but they get it. They see it. They, they the breath of flavor of engaging in every way. Tell me any way I can engage with God. I want to use it. I want to try it. I want to experience that vehicle. There's others who just go, you know, I, I'm just like a... I'm just like, I pray every day. I, I re, this is how I read my Bible. I do this, then I do that, then I do this. I will never do anything different. This is the way I've always done it. It works. It's fruitful. Great. Wonderful. That's the lane. But there's, the, all I'm trying to say is these vehicles, there's plenty of them. They're God's gifts to us. They're not the test. Um, they're just ways to connect with God. So that's how not to use them uh, to cause a kind of a, a, a arrogance or a shame in us or to measure where we're at in our walk with God. Um, we're not the first to do this. Look at the Galatians, uh, the Christians in Galatia. The, Paul wrote to them, he said, Are you so foolish after beginning by means of the Spirit? Are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? How did the Galatians think and feel and act wrongly here? Yeah, thought they could work hard to achieve something or grow in some way. Paul doesn't say, don't go on in the faith. The problem is how they're trying to go on in the faith. They must go on in the faith. They must grow in the faith. But he's basically saying, while you were nothing and dead in your sins, God graciously came and saved you, and you were saved by the Spirit of God. You were saved by a work upon your heart, and now you're saying... Thanks, Spirit. We'll take it from here. What an insult to the Spirit. And Paul's not, all Paul's saying, it's not radical. All he's saying is, uh, just keep on the way you started. The Spirit is at work in your heart. Just keep on with the Spirit at work in your heart. Keep walking with the Spirit. Keep learning about God, with God, from God, in the ways that God teaches you. Richard Foster, uh, I, I won't give examples just for the sake of time, but I, th- I think in, in terms of watching, I have this theory that legalists more often end up sin- sinning big because they get burnt out on their, the fruitlessness of their, their kind of self-effort. And as a, as a reforming legalist, someone who's prone towards tightness and boundaries, I, I, I would like, you know, kind of like Paul, I, just give me the Ten Commandments, I'll keep them. As a reforming one, learning about grace, I say this as someone who's observed people like me going, yeah, the, fruitless, the fruitlessness of the self-effort, eventually people give up. That's why you have kind of pastor's kid syndrome. You know, pastor's kids are famous for kind of going off track. Why? Because they've grown up in this environment where they have to kind of uh, show this type of fruit, this self-effort, this kind of perfect family. But there's no life of God in it. And eventually they just get burnt out over it and they go and just live life. And eventually, by God's grace, usually come back to the Lord. Richard Foster said, There is nothing that can choke the heart and soul out of walking with God like legalism. Foster continued talk, uh, speaking about this. And he said, The only purpose for spiritual disciplines is to connect to us to God. It's through our connection with God that any real transformation happens. You won't be transformed by uh, any specific habit in and of itself. You'll be transformed by what the Holy Spirit does to your heart through that habit. Right? Okay. So how do you use vehicles of longing? That's how not to use them. How to use these vehicles of longing. A theologian was asked, um, a group of my friends were in a room with him, and he was asked, do you ever get tired of reading the Bible? 
and he said to he replied to one of my friends, I laughed because uh, he was so shocked. The theologian was so shocked. He looked at my friend and said, never I find myself in the Bible. This was a man who gets up and teaches almost every day of his life when he was alive. He teaches the Bible. It was where he found himself. You, I found that when I listen to this person preach and teach, it's not so much the content. The content is great. But I find that the deposit that's made is, I just can't wait to read my Bible. He doesn't even tell you to read your Bible. It's not even what he's talking about when he's preaching. But when he's finished, all I want to do is open up the Word of God and just read it. Why? Because I see the life that he's got from being in the Word, and I'm attracted to it. I'm drawn to it. I want to connect with God where he connected with God. The Bible for him is a well, a spring of living water, and I want to go to that spring of living water and connect with God and get in in touch with that life. Josh talks about the church in a way that I haven't heard many people talk about the church, maybe any people. He talks about how he, he doesn't know himself. I'm using my own words. I can't remember his specific words. How he doesn't know himself outside the church. How he longs to get here on Sundays. How he can't imagine being anywhere else. How there's nowhere else on earth he'd rather be than right here with you worshiping God. When you hear that and it's sincere and it's true and there's life in that and he's understood something of the beauty of the church. Josh is not a super emotional guy. He's more emotional the older he gets at this rate. By the time he gets to 50 or 60, he's just going to be a blubbering mess. But when he talks about God and he talks about Jesus, sorry, when he talks about Jesus and he talks about the church, there's usually tears nearby. But, the, you know, tears of beauty, of wonder, of amazement. When you hear someone talk like that, you wouldn't dare touch the church. You don't want to gossip. You don't want to slander. You don't want to, you don't want to say, well, do you know what so-and-so did? Something of the beauty, the life, the connection that he's found in God, the love of God, God for his people that Josh exudes causes a sincerity and a love in you. Causes your heart to go, I want to love the church like he loves the church. I want to be a church like he wants to be a church. That's not the sake for all us. For me, there's many Sundays where I'd rather be at the beach. And I hope that doesn't rub off on you. <laughs> To be fair, there's many of you who on Sundays are at the beach. <laughs> but there's the life of God that Josh has, a connection that well, you know, rubs off on you and you kind of press into that. There's a revelation there. So how do you use these vehicles of longing? Eugene Peterson paraphrased Matthew 11 and uh, 28 to 30 beautifully. He writes, Are you tired, worn out, burnt out on religion? This is Jesus speaking. Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. What stands out to me here are these two sentences. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. You'll learn to live freely and lightly. How does that sound? Your Christianity, your faith, the thing that is most important to you, how does that sound? To live in the unforced rhythms of grace, to live freely and lightly. That sounds attractive to me. That's something I want to lean in. That's the vehicles of longing are there for us. They're doors, they're windows, they're opportunities for us to lean into that, to connect to Jesus, to learn to live freely and lightly. Here's some ways that you can think about uh, tapping into them. Number one, be observant. As we walk with Jesus, we'll see certain fruit in people's lives. Sometimes we see with our eyes, sometimes we see with our ears, sometimes we see just, we just know, we, we just pick something up from them. When you're around, so I think it's the way NAS does our house, people often come through our home and say, there was just so much peace in the home, I just felt so relaxed there, I just left feeling, oh, so calm. I don't think you can see something, it's not a picture on the wall, it's not a song in the, the speakers, I think NAS just kind of, breeds this peaceful faith in God that people just intuitively come into. Be observant of the people around you, the fruit in their lives. What's standing out to you? It's not that everything will always stand out to you all the time, but there, there will be people who God brings along the path to inspire you. Jesus didn't ever tell His disciples how to pray. 
partly because I think talking to Jesus was in a way prayerful, right? But they, they noticed that his prayer life was really important to his ministry life. They noticed that what he did was, was, came off of what he prayed. And so they wanted that as well. Jesus, if you're teaching us to minister, you need to teach us how to pray. And so they asked Jesus, because they were inspired by his prayer life, how they should pray. And Jesus didn't give them a bunch of rules and laws. He didn't tell them when, although the, the nature of the prayer does suggest it's a morning prayer. But he, he just, look what he gave them. If you break it down a little bit, this isn't, he's, our Father, give us, lead us, forgive us, deliver us. There's this radical dependency on God, on the Father, this daily dependency. Go to the Father, depend on the Father, ask the Father, be led by the Father, pray for the kingdom. So what fruit do you observe in the lives of those around you? Like I said, that theologian, oh man, God, teach me to read your word. I want to know your word like him. There's two, there's two people in the world that I've prayed, Lord, I want to know the Bible the way they know the Bible. They changed my lives. They'll never know it. Neither of them will ever know it. They never, I never heard them preaching on the Bible. I just heard them preaching. And I fell in love with the Bible. I wanted to re- know the Bible like they did. What, what is the Holy Spirit bringing to you? What are the people that He's bringing around you? What is He uh, inspiring you? Be observant. Notice it. So that you can, you know, Paul said to the Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Christ. He was saying to them, observe my life. Be inspired by something of what God has done in this life and imitate it. Have it in your life. If there's no one around you that's inspiring you, uh, that shouldn't be the case because there should be at least one or two Christians who God's doing something in their life that you're like, Lord, I'd take some of that. I'd, I'd like that. If someone's just great at praying, there's some people who when they pray, uh, there's this one guy in, in Taiwan, every time he prays it, just feel, prays, it just feels like God enters the room. I've prayed with thousands of people, and it's, it's like probably the only guy I can think of. That when he, it's just, he's anointed. When he prays, God, I, teach me to know you through prayer the way he does. Teach me to trust you the way he does. Teach me to uh, believe in you the way he does. So what's God bringing in your life? Who's God bringing in your life? Be observant of those around you. Be discerning. Sometimes vehicles of longing get in the way of what God's trying to do in our lives. Uh, this sounds, can sound irreverent, but it's not. Let me give you an example. Hospitality is one vehicle of longing. It's one way in which we uh, pursue God and relationship with God is being hospitable towards others. We host them the way God hosts us. It's a demonstration of the gospel. But Martha was very good at hospitality. It was a gift that she had. She made food and created environments where people were well looked after. And she was doing a great job of looking after Jesus and his friends. But she was missing what God was doing. Jesus was uh, teaching them things that would transform their hearts. And she was busy with a vehicle of longing, with a, a means of grace, with a spiritual habit, a good one, hospitality. She was practicing something that wasn't necessarily comfortable uh, for her, but she was gifted at, that was getting in the way. And Jesus had to say to her, now's not the time. You need to stop. That's, that right now is a distraction. Right now, you just need to sit at my feet. And for Martha, it would be like, but, but Jesus, you're so important. I need to care for you. And Jesus would be saying back to her, Martha, I'm so important because I can care for you. No one else can. I'm the one person in the whole world who can care for you. Stop and just come. Just be discerning. What's the Holy Spirit leading you towards? Where is He taking you? Go with it. Lean into it. Number three, be in a devoted community. In Acts 2.42, the first church community of Christians, uh, Acts 2.42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to fellowship, and to the prayers. Which of those four, uh, five means of grace stands out to you? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, communion, fellowship, and prayers. 
Which one of the five stands out to you? Just breaking bread. Breaking bread? Yeah. Why? Okay. What else? Yeah, fellowship. Devotion. Devotion. That's the one that stands out to me. They devoted themselves. They, 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 they didn't just do apostle. They didn't just listen to a sermon. They didn't just get together. They didn't just have communion. They didn't just have a prayer meeting. They were devoted. You need to be part of, number three, a devoted community. I'm not saying King's Cross is. If you're a visitor, I'm not trying to um, call you here. And I'm think, uh, all I'm trying to say is being at church is not the same as being in a devoted community. They devoted themselves, which means there's people in this room who are devoting themselves and people who are not, potentially. But, but one of the things you need is to be in a devoted community. People who are sincerely walking with God. Not practicing religion, not showing up at church, not doing what they need to do, not doing bare minimum. They are intentionally, the one thing, the main thing, the primary thing that they are on about is walking with God. And they're doing whatever they can, changing anything in their life that needs to, over a period of time, as it, as it is revealed to them, to walk with the Lord. Be in devoted community. So we use the vehicles of longing to keep company with Jesus and learn to live freely and lightly. All right. Spiritual friendship, part B. Uh, What kinds of friendships have you experienced in your life already? Just shout out some of them. What kind of friendships have you experienced in your life already? Good ones? ones? (laughs) Bad ones? (laughs) Childhood? Brotherhood? Uh, Sibling? Yeah. Bromance? (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Long lasting? Besties? Broken ones? Besties? Seasonal? Seasonal. Reliable? Soulmates? Teammates? What else? Fake. Functional friendships? Functional? Okay, I thought you said fake. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Thanks. Social friendship. Yeah. Honest. Great. Normal. Raw. Fun but flaky. <laughs> okay. So we've got a gamut of friendships and I, every single one of these are great and I think we could carry on for a little bit but I just want to pause to keep going. Uh, in your groups, just chat as honestly as you can. Talk about what kind of friend have you been? <laughs> so real quick, what is spiritual friendship? So John records Jesus uh, giving his disciples a commandment and that commandment was to love one another. Uh, this is what Jesus says. He says, Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. Now, we all know who that someone was that Jesus was talking about, uh, although he didn't, they didn't know it just then. But what's really great out of that text is uh, that he laid down his life for his friends. Jesus is calling his disciples, Jesus is calling us, those, those who believe in Jesus and walk with Jesus, he's calling us his friends. Friendship, um, I just want to say, friendship is much closer than you think. Now, brotherhood isn't because your dad and your mom need to kind of play their part to have like a a sibling friendship. Um, There's all these other kinds that we've spoken about that aren't necessarily guarantees. You can't have BFFs necessarily just kind of uh, easily. You've got to work hard at some of these types of friendships. 
But spiritual friendship, friendship with Jesus and through Jesus with other brothers and sisters is actually a lot easier than we think. Um, and it's a lot closer than we realize if, if we struggle through it. So Jesus says, um, greater love is no one than this than to lay down his life for his friends. You're my friends, um, which is a wonderful thing. Paul isn't so um, dismissive of the reality of our lives. Sorry, Jesus isn't dismissive he's going to die. But Paul takes out the friendship and he says this. Paul says, Romans 8, 5, he says, Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Not while we were still friends. Why is this so important? Because we don't qualify to be Jesus' friend. We're not good enough to be Jesus' friend. Jesus isn't friends with people who read their Bible enough, who pray enough, who show up at church enough, who keep their habits enough, who do what they say enough. Jesus is friends with sinners. Which is really freeing. It should be. Jesus is friends with those who are honest. With those who come to Him and say, Lord, I need you. Look at my life. I need you. Jesus goes, oh, I'll show you love. I'll die for you on a cross, my friend. And so it's a relief for us that uh, we don't have to qualify ourselves. We don't have to be good enough. Um, We we can be very honest with Jesus. And that's where we learn to kind of open up our hearts for anyone who carries burdens, for anyone who feels like, I I can't let anyone know what's going on on the inside I can't let anyone know uh, my worst thoughts. They're so dark and scary or my feelings or the things that I've done. Paul says, Christ died for sinners. Jesus said, the sinners I died for, I call friends. In other words, come to me, friend. Let me teach you to walk freely and lightly. But can can I be honest with you, Jesus? Absolutely, my friend. Come and share. Every Whatever you tell me, it's already been paid for. So Jesus' friends were incompetent and unqualified. And yet he opened himself to them. In his greatest need, these sinners, Jesus goes to and he says, will you pray for me? In my hour of need, I need you. The people, the people, I'm, the people I'm dying for. The sinners that are incompetent and unqualified and the reason I've had to come into this world, I need you to pray with me. Jesus opens himself up. So this, what I'm trying to say is that um, sometimes we might be looking around for overqualified individuals. I need someone who can handle my stuff. Well, Peter, James, and John couldn't handle Jesus' stuff. They fell asleep. I need someone that if they say that they're going to pray for me, they're really going to pray for me. Well, the chances are you're not going to find that person. I need someone that I can totally rely on. I need someone that's going to be as honest with me as I am with them. I need someone that's going to, I need someone that's, I need someone that's, that person is Jesus. Everyone else is unqualified. Everyone else is not going to be enough. Is not going to be up to your standards. That means you, you can open yourself up to unqualified, incompetent individuals. <laughs> Come over to me and go, Mark, I know you're unqualified and incompetent, but I'm going to share something from my heart right now. I'd love you to pray with me. All right, great. Thank you. Thanks for treating me like your friend. You lower the bar and enter the gift of friendship. Spiritual friendship is the intentional pursuit of walking openly and honestly with others. In other words, I think what I'm trying to say is that we have all of these excuses why we don't have to open ourselves up. And I think the last excuse, so the one is kind of this incompetency and this, the stuff out there. And Jesus really demolishes that because he opens up himself to people that are far less uh, qualified than him. But I think the very final one is uh, this kind of, um, I long for this. This is what I want, but no one's there for me. God, you know, this kind of, this is, but really, for you and for me, There's plenty. The field is ripe. The friends are dangling like apples whenever apples dangle. And you just have to go pick one off. Go find one. Go search for one. Go pray for one. But all I'm trying to... It's not mission impossible. It's mission likely. It's mission probable. Not completely easy. 
that mission entirely possible because it's a gift from God. It's a, it's a means of grace into your life. It's something God wants you to have. Therefore, He makes it available. Kind of 1 Corinthians 12, God gives us everything we need. It's talking about the church there, but I think that's true for us as well. So, uh, spiritual friendship, just hear some things about it. It is costly. It's a donation of your love. It's time. It's energy. It's commitment. Spiritual friendship requires honesty and vulnerability. Spiritual friendship is rigorous. If there's not courage in that, it it can't really actually go forward. Spiritual friendship is incredibly difficult. Spiritual friendships are not exclusive. There's room for others. There's always room for others. C.S. Lewis spoke about friendship so well. He kind of says the best, you know, friendship should, should be open because friends, friends draw out other things about friends. Someone was telling me today something wonderful. They said, have you ever learned about your, your, someone by hearing them talk to someone else? And they're making this point. I heard my wife say to someone else that she's X, Y, Z, and I never knew that. Wow. That's like, the, you know, don't make a friendship exclusive. We're just, we're each other's secret pact of open our hearts to one another type thing. No, make it inclusive. Get others involved. Draw others in. Anything that's built on kind of jealousy or insecurity, it's, it's not going to be healthy on the inside. There's room for others. When they are working, others are blessed by them. This is spirit, spiritual friendships. There should be lots of people blessed by them, not just, uh, just the two of us. <laughs> you know, honestly, we should be able, I am blessed because you two or three or whatever people are so good at spending time together, so good at being honest with each other, so good at praying for each other, so good at drawing each other towards Jesus. I feel blessed at the fruit I see in your lives. I feel more loved as a brother because of how you guys take care of each other. I don't know who I'm talking about, but you you get the point. Spiritual friendships are not repulsed or shocked by others ugly. I heard a brother say once, I like that. I want to tell you my ugly. My ugly is more ugly than your ugly. (laughs) Jesus died for all the ugly, so it doesn't matter. There's no shock. You you should never have to sit there and go, (gasps) No. Everyone in this room is likely to do anything. We're all sinners who've fallen short of the the glory of God, but have been raised to life through God's Spirit. Therefore, we're even more likely to put off sin and put on righteousness. That's what the Spirit is leading us in, to put on the new life. But when we have to admit, hey, this old life is clinging to me, I need to put it off. I need to see it put to death. I need to see the life of God. Can you walk with me? Can you pray with me? It's not going to be helpful to sit across from that person and go, oh my gosh, that's so bad. <laughs> of course. Of course. When Nas and I counsel couples, the first thing we say to them, usually always, is before you say anything, before you tell us what's wrong, We need you to know that this is a place of no shame. There's nothing you can say that you should wear shame about. Christ has taken all shame off. Whatever you have to share, whatever you have to confess, whatever we have to walk through, it's okay. But shame is not okay. That's what Christ has released us from. And that's true for all of us. I've seen this with brothers and sisters in King's Cross. I've seen... Uh, people pursue each other. I really have. I've, I'm not going to say names because I don't want to embarrass anyone, but I've, I've seen people struggle through seasons and I've watched brothers and sisters donate love, donate time, donate attention, be around, be consistent, give energy, give commitment, give support. Just give and give and give and give. Where's the balance? There's no balance. Love isn't on a scale of balance. When does it end? There is no end. Jesus died for sinners. We are friends with sinners who have been saved, who now have the Spirit of God and are better in a, in a better position than Jesus found them, but they're still not yet glory, in their glorified selves. So why do we need spiritual friendships? Here's some simple reasons. Number one, 
Longing to know and love God, uh, Paul says to the Galatians, I'm not going to read the text, but Galatians 5.14, uh, the way that we love God is by loving each other. We need spiritual friendships. Why? It's a practical way of knowing and loving God. You want to know and love God? Get to really know and love the people that He knows and loves. He loves some pretty messed up people. And you need to know them. And you are one of them. Longing to walk with Jesus, John 15, 12. Jesus says, here's my commandment. You want to walk with me? Here's what I command you to do. Love one another. You can't walk with Jesus and, and kind of stay isolated, only open up when things are good, but then close down when things are bad. When things are bad, that's the best time to build a spiritual friendship. Number three, longing to grow in grace. James 5.16. We'll look at that in a little bit. But James 5.16 says, uh, pray for one another. Uh, sh- sorry, confess your sins, pray for one another, and then watch God heal each other. Share openly, vulnerably, pray, and then watch what God does. Okay, how can we cultivate spiritual friendships? Uh, do you mind putting up this, the, the slide about characteristics of a spiritual friend? Joel, I think it's the next slide. Do you have no slides? Okay, can you just put up the next slide? Yeah, that's it. Thanks. Okay, so characteristics of a spiritual friend and characteristics of myself as a friend. Just think about those quickly for yourself on the left-hand column. What are characteristics of a spiritual friend? This is, what, what do you think a spiritual friend would be? Something, something like they would be loving. Um, you know, they would be accepting. They would be challenging. Culturally, you accept and approve. I love this experimentally. I love living in Australia, and I experiment with this as often as I, as I can. When I'm, when I'm out with someone that's not a Christian, or even is a Christian potentially, but maybe uh, I, I, I try and say the most strange thing I possibly can think about that's true and see how quickly they can approve of what I've said. Because our culture says you must accept and approve of everyone's truth. And it's had a 100% strike rate. I can't remember a time where anyone has ever challenged anything I've said. It's, it's fantastic. That's not spiritual friendship. Spiritual friendship is I 100% accept you, but I need to challenge your truth where it doesn't line up to God's truth. I need to remind you about what God says so that you can believe that because what you're believing is a lie. And we do that courageously. Uh, num- uh, or inclusive. Not, not, it doesn't mean you can't have special friends, but spiritual friendship, godly friendships, are inclusive of others. They want to draw others into something. What are some characteristics of a spiritual friend you're looking for? And then what are characteristics of yourself as a friend? Think of yourself as a friend. What are some of your characteristics? Just, just take a minute and, and have some things to answer. Okay, this is just getting the wheels turning. But this is the last exercise we're going to do this morning. Is there's about... Do you, Joel, I think it's the next slide. Yeah, there we go. Great. Here's some questions in our groups. Let's answer from this, when you think about spiritual friendships and you think about yourself as a friend, what are some things that you observe? You've got to keep this brief so that everyone can have a chat to talk, chance to talk. What do you learn about yourself? No one is a perfect friend. List your current limitations and flaws. So you might have time limitations, physical, emotional limitations. Uh, I, I reckon I got pretty close to burnt out at the end of last year, I think. I'm not 100% sure, but there were good reasons to think I did. And I found that emotionally, I just couldn't handle much. There were a few things I was handling, and that was my plate was full. And I felt like if one more person told me something dramatic, I, I was at my brim. If one more, I think I thought I was just going to collapse. I, I, I was actually not sure what was going to happen physically. Like, do you just fall down? Does something inside it explode? What, what, I, I wasn't sure. So I'm a flawed person with limitations. Obviously, I don't feel that way coming out of holidays. 
what are your limitations? Do you want to have spiritual friends enough to rearrange your life so that you can have one? If yes, what can you do? Maybe you don't. Maybe you don't want to open up. Maybe you don't want to hear people's ugly. Hopefully you'll get to a place that you do. If you had spiritual friends, what would you share with them today? Uh, Sam Albury has this great way of saying it. When he goes to meet with his spiritual friends, which is once a week or every other week, who's listened once a month? Whoever's listened to that podcast? Once a month, he says, when he, on his way, he thinks, what's the thing I most don't want to share? Something like that. What don't I want them to know about me? And then he got plans on saying that. <laughs> so what, what, if you had spiritual friends, what would you uh, share with them today? You don't have to say that in your groups, but just note it. Okay, take a moment. Take, take five moments. Let me grab your, let me get your attention back. Um, let me grab your attention back over here. We'll just wrap it up. I like that. I think some groups must be having some pretty meaningful conversations because as I called you back, you just spoke louder. So <laughs> you, you were obviously invested in what you were saying. Um, that's great. It feels like being at home with my children. <laughs> There's four of them. They can just be louder. Uh, you win. Um, I'm going to draw to a close. But spiritual friendship, the, again, I just want to remind you, the reason that we, we want to pursue this is it's a way of connecting with God. It's a way of connecting to Jesus. Um, spiritual friendships are not those friendships that, that primarily exist to have a great time with someone. Those are good too, and, and hopefully you have those. Your, your beach buddies or your whatever. Um, whatever you call them, uh, it, that's okay. And, and you, don't, you mustn't, I guess what I'm, I'm trying to do is make sure that you don't go judging your friends. If there's some friends you can't go deep with, that's okay. Let them be those friends. Don't, the opposite of deep isn't shallow. It's just not deep. It's, it's just a friend that you hang out with and have fun with. But spiritual friendship is something different. You, you may not, they may not be the best beach buddy. You may not share any of the same hobbies. You may not have anything in common. It would be a good idea, a couple of things, to both be Christians who are pursuing Christ. I don't know how you'd do it if you weren't. Uh, sorry, it's not possible if you're not. Secondly, it's probably a good idea for men to seek out men and women to seek out women just for the nature of the things that we might share and the emotional connectedness that, that is bound to develop. It's just a wise thing to, to do. But besides that, there's not a lot that you need uh, to, be, to kind of be able to form a spiritual friendship. Um, in other, it, it, it's almost the, the more different you are, the more special it is in some ways. The more unlike you are, the more you can find Jesus together because that's what unites you sometimes. And in other ways, you just feel almost like soulmates. We were bound, this, we were bound to fall into this. It's just so easy. It's so enjoyable. Um, this is such a gift from God. That's great. But all I'm trying to say is be, be easy on all your friendships. Don't judge any. Let them be what they are. And then let spiritual friendships uh, come easily and lightly. Um, but allow yourself to be surprised by who God connects you to. I've, I've found in my life, I don't know how, uh, this might not be true for you, but I've found in my life that my best friends have always ended up being people I didn't get along with or understand at first. Um, one of my best friends today, uh, my, my, my brother, be, was in contact with him yesterday just, just telling him I love him and miss him. And to, when we met, I, I, I can't remember being more irritated by another human being <laughs> than this guy the first time we went out together. I just I couldn't get away quick enough. And now I, I wish we lived next door to each other and um, I could just look at him through his windows <laughs> and be that irritating friend that he wished would go away. Um, so here's some, here's, some practical, here's some practical, all I'm trying to say is you, you just, you know, allow God, allow the Holy Spirit to bring people into your life that maybe you wouldn't pick. Um, they might not be your version of 
cool or smart enough or um, whatever, old enough or wise enough or young enough. Just let God bring some randoms into your life and bless your socks off. So here's some, some practical homework. Now, this is going to go online as a worksheet. Uh, not the, con- the content will go separately online if you want the notes, but this that I'm telling you now is just going to go up as a worksheet. So you can go home and you can kind of follow these steps towards spirit- pursuing a spiritual friendship. Who here uh, desires, and you might already have one, but who here desires spiritual friends? Just raise your hand. Okay, almost everyone, if not everyone. And, and many of you might realize that you actually have spiritual friendships. You just haven't thought about it that way before. And, and now you can, and you can develop it. That's great. Um, but for those who, who realize you don't have this, it's, you know, by the end of the week, let's trust God. By the end of the month, by the end of, you know, it can happen. It can happen fairly quickly. Um, so it's a way of pursuing God and connecting with Jesus. That's why we want to do it. Um, we don't want to put pressure on the other person. They're not Jesus, but it's a way that we connect to God through, with them. Um, together by loving one another. So here's what you can do. Number one, practical homework. Number one, pray about who you could ask to experiment with spiritual friendship with you. This alleviates the pressure. <laughs> this alleviates the like commitment to lifelong spiritual friendship. <laughs> You're kind of just saying, hey, I heard about this thing. I'd like to try it out. I'm not sure how it's going to work. Do you mind trying it out with me? Right? It's not a pass or a fail, but let's just see how it goes. Um, this is not the same it's like a part-time marriage. Let's get married and see how it works. This is just, hey man, let's just connect and see if it works. Let's see if our schedules work or do they, are they always wrong. Let's, see, let's just see how it goes. Um, so pray, for, pray about who you could ask um, to experiment like this and uh, see what you, you led towards, see what God answered. There's plenty of good picks right here, but it doesn't have to be in this room. It um, doesn't have to be in this city. It doesn't have to be in this country. It could be on Zoom. Um, it, you know, just pray and ask God who you can build, develop this relationship with. This is a great way towards a light and free walk with Jesus. Uh, number two, set up time to chat with them. Keep it light and invitational. So it, what, what you don't want to do is go, um, hey, so um, I've been praying for like most of my life for someone who could be a friend to me. And um, I've never, ever had that. But I was praying, and I feel like God has given me you. <laughs> and I, th- I think you could be the thing I've been longing for. <laughs> oh, no. Either the person's going to love that, and then they're going to try and be Jesus, or they're going to hate that and start running, uh, at least emotionally, uh, from you. So don't uh, keep it light, keep it invitational. Um, let's have a chat. So here's, here's how. So share them. Share, just, I've, I've written down here, you can answer these questions. Share with them the answers to the following questions. What is spiritual friendship to you? Just be clear about what, what you're looking for. How is it different to just hanging out at the beach um, or Bible study or something? How's it, how's it different to other friendships you have? What is spiritual friendship? And, and again, it's this intentional um, pursuit. What is spiritual friendship to you? Why do you desire it? How do you think it will help you connect with God? Again, so taking the focus off the person. How is, how is this, that you, what you're seeking, going to help you to connect with God and what God's doing in your life? Um, why are you giving this person the invitation um, to be part of this with you? What are you committing to? So, you know, be explicit. Let's meet uh, every other week or once a month. Um, let's go through James 5.16 each time just to remind ourselves of what we're trying to do and, and each time take a chance to briefly share what God is already doing in our hearts. Um, be vulnerable and honest and share uh, ways in which we've been struggling and we need to see God work and we need to maybe take off or we need to fight or we need to, whatever it is, just you know, free ourselves of any shame or guilt and make sure that we stay in a, in a light place with the Lord. Uh, pray together. James is going to remind us to do that. We'll pray together, and then we'll trust and see God answer prayers. In other words, we're not going to be each other's counselor. We're not going to spend the next, you know, we're going to share for five minutes each and then counsel each other for an hour because we're going to do the Holy Spirit's job. No, we're going to share for a minute or two each. We're going to pray for each other each, and then we're going to watch and see what the Lord does. Um, If there's any major disbelief in some way or something, then then we gently challenge with truth. Hey, just remember the Word of God says this, and I can do that in a text. Hey, I've been praying about you. I, remind, I was reminded of the Scripture. Um, just want to encourage you to believe it. Uh, this is what God says about you or your situation. Just trust Him. Let's trust Him together. 
Um, accept one another, so that's not being shocked by each other's ugly. Um, I know I, I used to have to prepare myself <laughs> to not have a shocked face by thinking, what could this person say to me today? What could they possibly say? And, and you know, nine times out of ten, the Holy Spirit would, t- would say exactly what they would end up saying. Uh, maybe even more than nine times out of ten. So when they said it, there was, instead of a shock like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that, there's more of a, yeah, I thought you might say something like that. Um, you know, my faith is here. It's meeting you where you're at. All right, let's go for this. God's doing something. This is exciting. The Holy Spirit's already been speaking. Um, let's, let's see what the Lord wants to do. Um, if they're interested, ask if there is someone else you could invite, just to help yourself avoid that um, kind of the exclusive nature of it. Sometimes we can accidentally try and hold on to precious things too tightly. And so we, kind of in, we can intentionally avoid that by saying, who else should we invite to be part of this? Um, set up a schedule before you leave the conversation. So just being practical. All right, we're going to do this. When we're going to meet, what works for you? Um, then the suggestion is after, after a period of time, three months or six months, long enough to have met together a few times, uh, there's a review that you can look at just to go through, just to make it objective so that you're not both sitting there. Who's going to sit there and go, no, this has been a waste of my time. Uh, I don't want to do this anymore. Um, but thank you very much. I'll see you on Sunday. Uh, no, none of us are going to do that. Hopefully, that would be terrible. But it might be nice to have an objective review. Okay, look, we haven't been consistent. Neither of us have ever challenged each other. We haven't really prayed. We haven't re- Okay, this isn't really working out. Well, this isn't what we've said. So do we want to change something? Or do we want to just admit that this isn't, you know, let's keep hanging out, but this is not that. Um, and let's change the parameters uh, of what we've agreed to and, and committed to. Um, or this is going great. So there's a review that you can use if you want um, just to help yourself objectively kind of, excuse this, score how you're going. Um, again, it's not a pass or fail, but just objectively, how, how are we tracking here? Um, what, what kind of zone are we in? And what, should we go forward or shouldn't we? How should we go forward? What should we change? Um, and then online as well, uh, there'll just be a thing to kind of show, you know, this is, this, is what it's, this is what a time together, 45 minutes, an hour together could look like. This is how you could break it up. And, and we'll just use what, what is online is given to us by a podcast uh, by Ray Ortland and Sam Albury where they talk about honest relationships, honesty, building a culture of honesty based on the gospel. We can be honest with each other because God has accepted us, Christ has accepted us as we are. We have nothing to hide. We can open it up to each other. We can pray for one another. We can see God heal us of uh, whatever we're working through. Um, And so we'll just use their model. And that's the James 5.16 of each taking a time to share. And, And so it's just plotted out. Hey, why don't you do this, then that, then that. Whatever you do before or after, it's up to you. Um, keep it light. Keep it easy. All right. The point of spiritual friendships, connect with Jesus. Jesus invites us to connect with Him, to learn the unforced rhythms of grace, to learn to walk freely and lightly through this life. Spiritual friendships is a gift that helps us walk with Jesus, to keep in a place of freedom and lightness, to not get burdened by shame or guilt, but to keep getting lifted up into the grace and the light of God, to see God transform our hearts, to see God work upon us through other flawed vessels. It's one of the means of grace that we see God using the prayers of other brothers and sisters to work in our lives so we can never think we're all that and need no one else. And if we took more time today, which we're not, we'd all have stories, probably all have stories of how God has blessed us and used others in order to work upon our lives. We can do this because of what Christ has done, and we're going to take communion because Christ has called us His friend. Hey, come to me. Come to me, those who are burdened, those who are enslaved, those who are heavy, Come to me. Come to me for freedom. Come to me for unbur- to be unburdened. Come to me to learn how to live in the rhythms of grace. And so we come to communion to remember that Christ has done it all, that He's brought us into the light of life, that we do not have to live in the darkness of shame and guilt. We do not have to hide anything in our hearts or in our minds or in our lives. 
that we can open ourselves up because Christ accepts us and loves us. And so we come to this table of freedom and joy where our sins have been punished, where death has been destroyed, where life is broken in. So this morning, all the friends of Jesus come. And why don't you take communion with another friend of Jesus? If you don't know uh, Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you're curious about Him, but you're not following Him, then why don't you just observe this? Jesus loves you. Jesus would love to uh, draw you to Himself. And I'd love to talk to you about Jesus. But this meal is for those who've placed their faith in the Lord, who know they need Him, who know that Jesus died for sinners like me and like you. So come, friends of Jesus, let's remind ourselves of the freedom and grace we have in Christ. Come when you're ready.